You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. some point in all of our lives, we have to grapple with the darkest moments of our past, whether it's personal or historical. For German author Jennifer Tiga, both of those kinds of shame came crashing together one day while browsing through books at a local library. The result of that discovery and the personal struggle that followed was her recent book, My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman Discovers Her Family's Nazi Past. Tiga tells Detroit Today producer Jake Near that although it's a unique story, it's also a universal one. I was adopted as a little girl. Very often when people hear that you're adopted, you assume that you don't know your biological parents. In my case, I didn't know my father, who's Nigerian, but I knew my mother, my biological mother, and though I lived in an orphanage for the first years, I saw my mother sporadically, but I wasn't in contact with her from the age of seven because at that time I um, was adopted by a white German family, and I grew up with two uh, adopted brothers, a little older than I was. So I had a relatively normal life until the age of uh, almost 40 when I made the discovery about my um biological family's historical past in a central library in Hamburg, where I live in my hometown, really by coincidence. So talk about how you discovered that and what was your reaction to what you have found out about your family? Well, it was a sunny day, a normal day in August, and I was in the library of my hometown. It's a huge library. Um, I was in the psychology section, not uh, in the history section, what a lot of people assume, when I discovered a book on the shelf that somehow somehow it grabbed my attention. And I uh, picked up... I picked the, the, the book from the shelf, and I quickly glanced at the cover, and there was a tiny little photograph of a woman, and the woman reminded me of my mother, and I, the book contained text and photographs, and I was uh, looking through the book, and I saw some photographs, more photographs, one of an older woman, and this uh, picture reminded me of my biological grandmother, and I was uh, at the very end of the book, and there was a summarization of biographical details. And these details perfectly, perfectly matched the information that I had surrounding my adoption paperwork. So when I was in the library at that point, uh, moment, I realized that the book that I was holding in my hand was not just a random book that I had picked. No, it was a book that told the story of my biological family. And my biological family is known, I guess, to most of you listeners, because when you've watched the movie Schindler's List, you probably came across Amon Good. He was the one who killed the Jews. Oscar Schindler was the one who saved them, and Amon Good was the one who uh, was the commandant of the concentration camp in Poland. And my grandfather, my biological grandfather, was this man. This was what I discovered in the library. Wow. And had you been familiar with him before you had uh, you discovered that he was your biological grandfather? Yeah, I was familiar with the figure because uh, as millions of other people, I had watched the movie. Sure. But, um, of course, you know, since I had no clue, I would have never, ever thought that I'm uh, blood-related or that we have a, a connection. 
So it came really as a surprise and as a shock. Yeah. And, uh, it took a long time, really a long time, um, really to to come to, to terms with the situation and really to grasp what that meant. Talk, talk about the emotions that you must have been overcome with when this revelation sort of happened upon you. But there was a lot of confusion because this, uh, I was almost 40, so I had a life, I had an identity, and mm. I felt like uh, I had lived a double life, that I had somehow lived a life that was not mine. It was so many secrets, so many toxic secrets, I felt. And then, of course, there was fear. There was a lot of fear because I was petrified by the monstrous figure of Amangud. Imagine, this is not just a war criminal. I mean, he was a war criminal like many others, but he was also a sadist. He was a very cruel man. And somehow to to know that you are connected, that you're related, that he's part of your biological family, was something that I really didn't know how to deal with it. And I was very scared because ultimately I also asked myself, if I do carry something of this man within mm. me. The, just in the title of your book, I mean, it really gets right to the heart of what I can only imagine is just a, a, a very intense internal uh, struggle, a duality. You know, my it's called My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me. A black woman discovers her family's Nazi past. I mean, uh, talk about... I mean, the, the the different feelings and sort of the conflicting feelings between those two sides of your own identity. Well, the, the title is very provocative, but it actually sums something up that I felt from the very beginning. The, the, the feeling that with the, with the Nazi ideology that my grandfather must have internalized he would probably also have shot me because I am half black, my father is Nigerian, my mother is German, and the color of my skin is definitely not something that was supported by the Nazi uh, ideology at that time. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm speaking with Jennifer Tiga, New York Times bestselling author of My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman Discovers Her Family's Nazi Past. She'll be in town on Tuesday, June 6th at 7 p.m. to speak at the Jewish Family Service annual event at Congregation Sherry Zedek in Southfield. So over the years, like you said, this took a long time to sort of for you to come to terms with. Uh, where are you now with this? What are your how do you feel about uh, what you've learned about your own past? And, and, and talk about sort of expressing that through writing. Mm, uh, the, in the very beginning, before I wrote the book, there was an internal process, as you said, and um, I had help, family, friends, and also a therapist with whom I worked things through. But once I understood that my story is really an extraordinary story in so far that a lot of themes that um, I, I'm tackling with, identity, but also the question of guilt or responsibility. Those are themes or uh, issues that not only I am dealing with, but it is a universal story. And once I understood that the story is uh, really, really unique, I thought it's a story that needs to be shared with people. And um, I decided to write a book, and I decided really to tell the story through my own words, to let people into my heart. And 
also to let them see and understand that uh, history does not need to repeat itself. I don't think that especially survivors with whom I met, they ever thought that something positive or something empathic would come out of the good line. And just to be there, just to show them that I'm different is something that makes a huge difference to many people. Was there a certain therapeutic value of writing this book and really sort of making this, uh, you know, the the mindset that you were living with while you were writing the book? Well, it was not therapy. Mm. Um, therapy was behind uh, closed walls, mm. just with a with a therapist, myself, and to work things through. You can't run away from problems. You can't run away from uh, feelings that you'd like to run away. To write the book was more a way of structuring my inner thoughts and also, of course, uh, coming to terms with the story because I was able to turn it around. Even though I was really, uh, I was diagnosed with the post-traumatic stress disorder mm. immediately after the discovery, I thought it will never change. Today, years after, I see that something really good came out of it. And um, I, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm uh, speaking to people, or I even, I'd rather say I talk to people. It's not that I'm lecturing people. I talk to them, and I see that this is really something that... Um, would not have happened if that uh, if I would have never made the discovery. And it is a wonderful feeling that you see that you can make a difference in the world. And and, and when it comes to the reaction that you've gotten from people, um, I, I can only imagine that you're not alone. I mean, this is an extraordinary story, don't get me wrong, but with these emotions about the horrible things that have happened in our past and sort of our direct connections to them, I can only imagine that you've heard quite a few stories uh, as as response to this book from from oh, readers. Definitely, definitely. That's why I say uh, this is a universal story. You know, if you uh, explain something, it's very often helpful if you tell a story or things that you want to communicate through a personal story, because then people can relate to it better. But actually, it is a universal story when you look at it from the German, from the perpetrator side. I mean, Germany, almost everyone in Germany belongs to the perpetrator side. And when you look at it from the victim side, there are also uh, some things that are similar similar in so far that from the victim side, there was a lot of silence, a lot of silence because of the suffering. People did not want to remember. They wanted really to get over it. It is very different to the um, perpetrator side because the Germans, for all these years after the war, they kept silence because of other things, you know, because of guilt, probably because of shame. But there are, diff there are similarities and differences and I do think that it's important also to hear it from the perpetrator side. A lot of people, especially from the Jewish community, are fascinated because they heard survivors speak. And now to hear it for the first time from the perpetrator side is something that uh, yeah, gives them a different perspective. I wanted to ask you about your appearance in town on Tuesday, June 6th at 7 p.m. at mm -hmm. the uh, Jewish Family Service annual event at uh, Congregation Sherry Zedek in Selfield, Michigan. Um, you know, what, what can people expect to, to hear when they, they come out to this? And, and what are you, um, you know, hoping that uh, you, you'll share with uh, the audience members there? 
Well, as I said, I'm not really giving a speech. I talk to people, of course. Mm. You know, the format is a speech, but I really want to connect and relate to people. And the the event is, or the theme of the event is also uncovering the past, strengthening the future. I do think nowadays we still tackle some of the same problems that we tackled or had for all these centuries. We have still anti-Semitism in the world. We still deal with extremism, with violence, with racism. So just to make people aware, to see that sometimes, you know, look at the past and learn for the future um, can also change the society and can sometimes at least influence uh, the present. Okay, that was Jennifer Tiga, author of My Grandfather Would Have Shot Me, A Black Woman Discovers Her Family's Nazi Past. She spoke with Detroit Today producer Jake Neer. All right, we are just a few days away from our annual trip up to Mackinac Island for the Mackinac Policy Conference. Detroit Today is going to be there all of the days of the conference. Uh, joining me now in the studio is Laura Weber Davis, the producer here at Detroit Today, to talk about what we will be talking about on Mackinac. Stephen, we'll be keeping you extremely busy. We have we always are booked your schedule <laughs> wall to wall. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to basically all the people who are in Lansing and Washington um, most of the years, so we don't get to see them as much in Detroit. Of course, we'll hear from Governor Snyder. We'll hear from some of the potential candidates for governor next year. But then we'll also hear uh, and talk a lot about what's going on in Washington with both our senators, Peters and Stabenow. And I'm really excited. We're going to have Fred Upton on, yes. the West Michigan Republican. Yeah. He's made national news lately um, with his reservations about the Obamacare repeal. Of course, he did end up supporting that House package. But his reservations and his vocal reservations about the Medicaid uh, cuts really uh, left me interested, yeah. and so we're going to have him on the program to talk to you. And Fred is, uh, you know, of of all of the, the the people who represent us in Washington, he he is one of the most thoughtful. I mean, <clears throat> whether you're a Democrat right. or a Republican, I mean, Fred is a, is a really class act and somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about what to do. So it'll be great to talk to him up on Mac. Yes, we're also going to talk about the spirit of bipartisanship with some Congress people. Absolutely. So. All right. So we will see you all next week up on Mackinac Island, or you'll hear from us at least from Mackinac Island. That's going to do it for me this week. Uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. See you next week. <laughs>